Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Before we get to the serious uh, legal and political issues of the day, uh, a quirky, a quirky story about um, animals in the law. So, a, a this is a true story. A great photographer went into the wild um, to photograph um, uh, monkeys, gorillas, apes, um, and he he couldn't get close enough to them. They would uh, run away. So he left um, the camera on a tripod and uh, left a mirror so uh, the the animals could see themselves and uh, and then a button and um, the animals would then uh, press the button um, and take essentially selfies and um, he then went and collected the selfies and um, wanted to sell them obviously for um, a profit he had put a lot of effort into it a lot of work and a lot of money into it and <laughs> PETA, the animal rights organization, sued him and said, no, uh, he didn't have the copyright. He didn't take the picture. Uh, the ape that pressed the button had the copyright, and therefore he had to um, pay whatever money he received from the pictures to the ape um, and to funds designed to support the, the ape. <laughs> the case went all the way through the courts and ultimately um the courts held no that he did have the right to the copyright. And then the copyright agency issued a clear, definitive, important order that PETA hated saying animals do not have copyright. Uh, the copyright is always going to be in the person who got the animal to take the selfie or take the picture. All right. That's my quirky law bit for the day. I found it amusing. I hope you did too. So this is um, my end of the year uh, show. We're uh, approaching New Year's. Uh, there will not be another uh, podcast um, between now and New Year's. So I'm asking the question on this podcast, was 2022 good or bad for America? And the answer is clear. Yes, it was both good and bad for uh, America. There were some very good things. Um, um, there's a, um, a lead editorial in the Wall Street Journal today that um, is entitled Democracy Made a Comeback in 2022. And it goes through most of the positives that happened um, for democracy, not only in the United States, but around the world. And they make a fairly compelling case that there were some pretty good things for uh, for 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 democracy, um, Congress actually passed some legitimate legislation. There was a little bit of cooperation between the Democrats and the Republicans. They list um, uh, the most significant gun safety bill in decades. Now, some of my viewers will say, "Oh my God, that destroys democracy." What about the Second Amendment? No, these were gun safety bills that were entirely consistent with the Second Amendment. Um, legislative support for for uh, same-sex uh, marriage, um, very important, um, because it uh, begins to federalize the issue and, and take it away from uh, the states. Uh, they go through um, um, a number of other issues that um, they think were quite positive. Um, Congress passed, this is very important, the Reform Electoral Act that clarifies the process for challenging election results uh, during the tally of electoral votes in Congress. Uh, it means that um, Congress made it clear that the vice president's role is solely ministerial 
and that the holder of this office has no discretionary authority to delay or reject slates of electors, preventing any future president from trying to do what President uh, Trump did to Vice President uh, Pence. Look, it's an improvement, but they didn't go far enough. Uh, Congress should pass a national electoral commission, much like Great Britain has, other European countries have, Israel has. This is a commission usually consisting of wise women and men, people who have been, say, former justices of the Supreme Court, presidents of universities, uh, ministers, people who are beyond reproach. And um, when there's a challenge to an election, it doesn't go to a partisan Congress to make the decision. Instead, it goes to uh, this commission. And this commission decides um, whether or not the election was fair or wasn't fair and um, what aspects of the election were fair or not fair and make suggestions for improvement. Be a tremendous step forward if Congress were able to pass um, and, and establish a permanent electoral commission, say, with people serving 10-year terms, um, with an equal number of people who have backgrounds of Democrat backgrounds, Republicans, and hopefully some who have nonpartisan backgrounds or backgrounds that uh, whose, whose partisanship is is not particularly apparent. That could be very, very helpful, but that, that hasn't been uh, done. Um, the um, Wall Street Journal uh, classifies Ukraine as a success for democracy because the Ukrainians have obviously resisted with some degree of success and at a tremendous cost, tremendous price, the uh, totally unjustified in invasion by uh, a tyrannical regime in Russia. It uh, also um, talks about uh, successes in other democracies, the protests in, um, in Iran, street protests led mostly by women following the unjustified killing by uh, Iranian uh, police of a woman who was arrested for not wearing a proper a religious uh, garb, um, the weakening of the Erdogan regime in, in Turkey. Uh, all of these are pluses for, uh, for uh, democracy. Um, they also rank, and this is going to be very controversial with some of my viewers and listeners, um, they rank uh, the election, the electoral results of 2022 midterm elections as a very positive step for uh, democracy because the... Um, citizens of the country uh, weakened um, any support for uh, people who claim the election was not a proper election. Um, here's what it said. It was a good year for democracy at home and abroad. In this midterm election, many Republicans and independents drew the line between honorable conservative candidates and candidates who endorsed Donald Trump's uh, lies about the 2000 presidential election was stolen. And they go through each of the elections and they show that in virtually every case where one of the candidates said the election was fair and the other one said it was stolen, uh, the one who said it was stolen lost the election. Not in every case, but in the vast majority of cases. And they interpret that as a, a pretty overwhelming rejection of the notion that somehow uh, the election was unfair. You know my views. My view is that Biden was absolutely properly elected, that there was a constitutional question about the Pennsylvania election and how the governor had expanded the time for voting beyond that permitted by the legislature and that um, uh, the Constitution doesn't 
permit that, but there weren't enough votes, even late votes. If you give them all to Donald Trump, not enough to change the outcome of the election, even in Pennsylvania. And certainly the outcome of the election would not have been changed by any legal challenges in any other state. So it was a completely uh, legitimate election. And that's why I refused. This is public record. I didn't reveal anything. Um, um, turned down the uh, opportunity to defend President Trump in his second impeachment because I didn't want to be part and parcel of any claim that the election was stolen or unfair. And um, I think the results of the 2022 midterm elections were probably good for democracy. A very narrow victory for Republicans in the House, a very narrow victory for Democrats in the Senate. Democracy works. Democracy prevailed. That's what the people wanted. They wanted a divided government. Um, very often we've had divided governments over the years. The framers of the Constitution understood that a bicameral legislature elected two years in the House, six years in the Senate was not a prescription for efficiency. It was an attempt to prevent tyranny and to prevent one any one branch or any one house within the legislative branch from uh, assuming too much control. And so uh, it worked. Uh, it, it worked pretty, pretty successfully. So those were some of the um, uh, upsides um, that um, was was good for the for the country. You can agree or disagree with those upsides, but I'm just reporting what the Wall Street Journal, you know, a conservative, generally pro-Republican uh, newspaper, but anti-Trump newspaper, um, has reported. They went through a number of other um, issues, but those were the most important ones. What about the negatives? Um, well, the Wall Street Journal didn't really focus too much on, on the negatives, and I think there were a lot of negatives. Uh, free speech suffered tremendously in, uh, in the year 2022 on college campuses, um, in the social media. Um, uh, due process suffered uh, uh, enormously. Um, and I don't think we've seen successes uh, in immigration policy. The Supreme Court kicked the can down the road uh, yesterday when it basically kept in effect um, the title that gave the administration certain powers, uh, emergency powers under COVID and Justice Gorsuch in dissent, it was a five to four decision, said, no, you can't use an emergency that grew out of COVID now that that emergency is over. I'm, you know, talking from a, a COVID bed, basically. Uh, so it's certainly not over for me, uh, but over as a national pandemic to justify uh, administrative regulations and emergency measures. So uh, I, I don't think that we had a successful year with immigration. I do think that Ukraine, you have to regard that as a mixed year for democracy. Yes, Ukraine uh, seems to be uh, holding its own, but the death toll there and the injuries are are staggering and, and uh, un unacceptable. Um, mostly, uh, we've seen terrific uh, defeats for free speech on on college campuses. Uh, for example, Berkeley, the home of the free speech movement, uh, simply has become a paragon of free speech for me, but not for thee. Today, 14, 14 law school clubs, including the Feminist Club, the Gay Club, the Southeast Asian Club, uh, will not allow people like me or you, presumably, to speak at any of these clubs on any issue. I can't speak on abortion rights. I can't speak on tax policy. I can't speak on gay rights. I can't speak about the First Amendment unless I'm prepared to hold my hand to God 
and swear that I don't believe in Israel's right to exist. Um, if you believe in Israel's right to exist, even if you believe in the two-state solution, and even if you believe that Palestine should be a larger state than Israel, as long as you believe in any Jewish state, nation state of the Jewish people, then you can't speak at these 14 clubs on campus. And as Dean Erwin Shemarinsky, very able dean at the Berkeley Law School, said that really precludes 90% of the Jewish students at Berkeley who believe in Israel's right to exist, including him. So the dean of the Berkeley Law School can't speak about constitutional law at 14 of the clubs. Uh, is that victory for free speech? Well, they may have the right under the Constitution to censor whoever they want to uh, a censor, but it surely is not a victory for free speech. It's despicable. And uh, the question remains, it's a question I've asked before, should the names of officers of these clubs, the people who promoted this uh, McCarthyite uh, uh, censorship, should they be made public so that law firms would know uh, which law students were behind this censorship so that the clients would know, do you really want to have somebody represent you who doesn't want to listen to anybody who disagrees with them on the issue of Israel uh, Palestine may be the right approach, maybe uh, the First Amendment approach, uh, the answer to bad speech is good speech or full speech. Maybe the right approach is to publish the names of people who are behind this censorship so that the public could judge for itself. I leave that to you. That's uh, really an issue for a different day, but really a serious one worthy of consideration. So those are, are some of the the pros and and the cons. Um, uh, 2022 was a, a, a good year for me in the sense that finally, um, uh, since since 2014, when I was accused of uh, having sex with uh, uh, somebody who was associated with Epstein, I denied it categorically and and, and repeatedly. And finally, in in 2022. Uh, she recognized that she may have been mistaken in um, identifying me as one of the people with whom she had sex. So that was a, a big plus for me. It didn't change very much. Um, organizations that canceled me as the result, uh, the 92nd Street Y, the Temple Emanuel, the Ramah School, haven't extended invitations or haven't apologized. Um, but um, it's uh, it was important for me. And so I would say on balance, uh, uh, that was what made it a good year for me. It was a mixed year for me as well. Um, and uh, ups and downs health-wise, I mean, getting older, I'm 84. Um, and, um, but on balance, or on balance, a good year. Let's hope that uh, next year is a better uh, year for everybody. Um, I've said this before, um, that uh, in Israel, uh, a pessimist is defined as somebody who says, oh, Yvay, things are so bad they can't possibly get worse. And an optimist says, yes, they can. So uh, do I think things could get worse in 2023? Yes, I, I think they can get much worse. Could they get better? Yes, I think they could get uh, considerably uh, better. What can we expect in 2023? Well, we may see, we may see um, uh, an attack by either Israel or Israel in the United States or Israel in the United States and Saudi Arabia against Iran's nuclear program. Uh, all three of those countries agree it would be unacceptable to the world to have um, a nuclear arsenal in the hands of one of the most barbaric countries in the world. This is a country that executes dissenters. 
executes gays, executes murders, women who uh, won't wear appropriate um, um, uh, Sharia clothing. Um, so it's certainly possible we could see a, a major event um, in, in Iran. But, you know, you never know what part of the world will explode. Who would have anticipated a year ago that the only hot war, the major hot war in the world today would be in Ukraine? Uh, it was certainly not on the radar of very many people or very many intelligence agencies. Obviously, it um, grew out of the distorted mind of, of Putin and maybe some of his advisors, and it was a very, very bad thing for, for the world. What else uh, do we think? Uh, what other unexpected events could, could arise? I can tell you one thing for sure. There will be events that, as we sit here today, are unexpected and unpredictable. Uh, that's the nature of our of our changing uh, world. Um, will Elon Musk's takeover of um, of Twitter have a profound effect on freedom of speech in America? It could. It already has. Um, he's already disclosed uh, what what had been kept secret by Twitter for for too long a period of time, namely that the government of the United States had spent money um, in an effort to try to get uh, social media like Twitter to censor things that they uh, disagreed with. That poses a multiple threat to the Constitution. The first threat is obviously to the First Amendment. The government is not allowed to either directly or indirectly try to censor constitutionally protected material. And if they did, if they put their thumb on the scale or perhaps even their elbow on the scale, that was an implicit violation of the First Amendment. But equally uh, disturbing is the fact that if they did it, they did it surreptitiously without accountability. And so the um, public couldn't know about it and couldn't complain about it and couldn't take legal action about it. So um, I give three cheers for uh, for Elon Musk for having revealed that. And uh, I give him two and a half cheers for his own um, efforts to um, censor less. Of course, the only reason uh, the reason I took away that half a cheer is because he, at the beginning, tried to censor his own uh, critics. I think he's backed off from that. But, uh, you know, you give anybody the power to censor and they're they're going to use it. And uh, <coughs> social media, we know, has virtually untrammeled power to censor or to encourage or to cancel or to highlight. And maybe they have too much power, but it's a power the First Amendment probably uh, gives them. So I think the year to come will um, probably have some important developments for freedom of speech and for uh, due process. Those are both works in progress and um, they're very important. And we'll see uh, in what direction they go. Um, and so I'm hoping for a better year in 2023 and worried about a worse, worse year. We always have to be ready for the worst. We always have to anticipate uh, the dangers. I think nobody could have anticipated some of the dangers that we confronted in the first 22 years of the 21st uh, uh, century. I don't think anybody could have anticipated the reaction to the George Floyd killing. I don't think anybody could have anticipated the COVID uh, crisis. I don't think anybody could have anticipated 9-11 um, and so many other unpredictable, unanticipatable events, which is why governments have to be nimble and they have to be ready. And they have to be uh, prepared for the unpreparable, prepared to 
respond to things that they couldn't conceivably have um, imagined. That's the essence of of good government. And uh, that's the way we evaluate good government. Will we have an economic downturn? Will there be an economic crisis? Uh, will it affect the 2024 election? Obviously, uh, economic downturns uh, generally affect the fortunes of the uh, incumbents and those in power. So, uh, but they also, those in power and incumbents, have a somewhat greater ability to control the economy than those out of power. So it's a knife that cuts both ways. But, um, you know, the Talmud says that prophecy ended with the destruction of the second temple. And Yogi Berra put it even more pithily, uh, saying prediction is difficult, especially about the future. So I'm not in the business of telling you what I think will happen in 2023. I will tell you that it poses great dangers to democracy, to our economy, to our way of life. I didn't even mention climate uh, effects and, 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 and violence throughout the world. Uh, great dangers. Great, great dangers confront us and great opportunities. And who knows, we may see cures for some of the most dreaded diseases during uh, this year. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's prepare for pessimism and, and hope for optimism. And um, and hopefully all of us will have a, a better 2023 than we had 2022. Okay, let me turn to some um, interesting letters that we got uh, for the last uh, couple of days. Um, what is your reaction to Google labeling the word Jew as a pejorative? Well, A, they took it back. And B, of course, it's a serious mistake. I'm a Jew. I'm very proud of it. Um, you know, if somebody starts yelling at people, Jew, 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 or painting Jew on, on people's houses, obviously context is everything. But the word Jew itself is an honorable word and should be and should be honored. Uh, wow. Uh, Jews get mad at stuff and they never admit they're wrong about anything. <clears throat> Take the holla hoax, Holocaust hoax, uh, for example. Instead of appreciating Germans and Nazis, yeah, but we're supposed to really appreciate people who killed 6 million Jews and probably 50 million other people in the Second World War. Instead of appreciating Germans and Nazis, because it never happened at the Holocaust, they continue their lies and promote hatred of the white race. But if you listen to Whoopi Goldberg, of course, the Holocaust was directed against the white race, Jews being uh, white. It's so interesting how people who hate Jews uh, either regard them as white if they want to say something negative about them and they think white is a negative connotation, or deny that they're white if they want to say something uh, negative about them as well. Uh, there's no limit to the imagination of horrible, miserable anti-Semites uh, like, uh, uh, what's his name, Werefrichus, R-W-E-R-E-F. E A T O 35. That's the guy who denies the Holocaust and he expects us to take anything he says uh, seriously. Okay. Um, hmm, professor, here's a bulletin for you. This nation does not need aliens to renew the lifeblood of the country. It seems to me that Mother Nature already provides something that's called babies. <clears throat> Every population renews itself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on and makes this kind of absurd racist claim. 
was the same claim that was made in the 1880s when my grandparents were coming over. Why do we need immigrants for? We have enough Americans. They're having babies. Well, think of what America would look like if not for the immigration uh, that started in this country, uh, say, in about 1850, uh, with German immigration, then Irish immigration, Italian-American immigration, Jewish immigration, Greek immigration. Um, how many um, diseases were cured by those immigrants? How many great pieces of music and shows and books and literature were produced? Um, you know, the New York Times every year has a page in which it uh, honors um, uh, immigrants in this country and what they've accomplished. And um, if you just look at it, it's amazing. So, no, you're wrong. It's not going to be done by just replicating the population. Um, immigration is crucially important to renewing the lifeblood of a country. And that's been proved uh, in America since uh, the day it came into existence. So uh, three cheers for the immigrants who've made America a great. And I suspect that whoever wrote this letter probably has parents, grandparents, great-grandparents who were immigrants themselves. It reminds me of the um, comic routine that Yakov Smirnov, a Russian immigrant, used to have in his television um, show. He would be standing in front of the Statue of Liberty with this thick Russian accent and saying, oh, thank you, Miss Liberty, for saving all of us immigrants from Russian oppression. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I just want you to do one more thing. Could you please keep the rest of those damn immigrants out? That's the way in which many Americans have approached immigration. Thank you for letting us in. We really improved the country, but we don't really need other people because uh, they come from, oh, as he says it in his letters, uh, shithole countries. Well, um, my parents, my grandparents came from Poland um, and, you know, not uh, a country um, that I think they were very proud of 1968, uh, even um, 20 years after the Holocaust, uh, the Poles conducted another pogrom against Jews in 1946. After the Holocaust was over, they murdered um, Jews in a, in a town called Kiltza. Um, uh, not a country that, uh, that I'm proud to have been uh, part of. There's some great Polish people and uh, great Polish history, but uh, the history of Poland in the last um, hundred years has not been something to be proud of, except that it produced a great many Polish Americans who now serve with extraordinary distinction in every aspect of uh, American life. And I think the same can be true said about many other countries that, um, that um, um, the immigrants themselves have produced a tremendous amount of positive results for America, even if you don't like the countries. The people who left didn't like the countries either. That's why they left. Um, my, my parents didn't leave. My grandparents didn't leave Poland because they loved it. They left Poland because they were being murdered and they were being subject to pogroms and they were being subject to discrimination. So that's in the nature of uh, immigration. Um, there's a lot of letters about Jews today. Uh, remember, we talked about Santos and that he claimed he was not Jewish. He was Jewish. Um, how many Jewish folks are named Santos is the question. Well, many, you know, um, if you go past the synagogue that's in my corner of my house, the central synagogue, and every uh, week it has the names of the bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah boys and girls. And it's remarkable. You see the names of the bar mitzvah boys, Sullivan, O'Connor, uh, Farinelli. Um, you know, there are so many mixed marriages today. 
uh, and conversions that you just can't tell a Jew by their last name. So, yeah, there are probably a lot of Jews named <clears throat> Santos. It's probably also a Sephardic uh, Jewish name. So, you know, don't judge Jews any longer by their ethnicity. It used to be you could do a census of a Jewish population by just looking in the phone book and seeing how many cones there were and, and extrapolate or Levines. That's no longer the case with uh, Jewish integration into marriage and, and conversion. Okay, let's see if we have time for any more. Let's see, at least one more. Santos seems to be a complete clown and a confidence man who fooled many of his fellow uh, people with his hollow words, but he was lawfully elected by voters. He will serve his term, but the speaker shouldn't allow him to sit on committees and just let the New York voters decide in 2024 if there should be consequences for his false statements, lies, or in fact speech, so he can say he has green hair when it's obvious his hair is not green. Thanks for your great podcast. Look, I think that's probably the, the right approach. And I don't think he should be denied committee status unless that's done on both sides. And uh, I think it should be done on both sides. Um, that committee sh assignment should not be rewards for bigotry or for, or for lying. Um, let's see. Okay, one more, one more question about Jews. Uh, just a lot today. I'm still waiting for any Jew to explain what Kanye said that was anti-Semitic. But let me begin. Jews should be, the Jewish people should be subjected to death con three. Death con three. The man is an ignoramus. The man is a bigot. And if you don't think it's anti-Semitic to use death and Jewish people in the same sentence following the Holocaust, and having lunch with a notorious Holocaust denier and anti-Semite. You know, Trump may not have known about him, but certainly Kanye West knew who he was bringing to lunch. So, no, don't defend Kanye West. He's a bigot, an anti-Semite, and an ignoramus. Um, hey, that's just my opinion. So please, everybody, have a happy new year, a safe new year. Don't drive when you're drinking and wear masks when you're in crowds and Try your best not to get as sick as I got over COVID and try to have a good year. And may 2023 be better than 2022. Happy New Year.